Hi everyone, welcome to Hubshots episode 222. In this episode, we talk about HubSpot smart CTA examples, using the new HubSpot keyboard on your mobile device, updating renewal dates on contacts and deals, and should you create location-specific pages on your website. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, marketing, and search results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really well, and I'm back in the office today after working from home for six months due to, well, COVID, as most people have been in a similar situation. Yeah, I finally moved back into my office this week, and it's good. We're still recording over Zoom. We haven't yet got together in the same room. So, you know, it's over, what, it's actually more than six months since I've seen you in person, Ian, and since we've recorded in person. That's right. Looking forward to actually recording again in the same room. That'll be good. All right. And on to our growth thought of the week, Craig. I was testing a, having a paid option to book a call with us. And what's been interesting, I've had people booking to talk to us. And I think one of the things we've realized is that people can seem reluctant. If we think about our own mindset of talking to people, we can seem reluctant not to book and talk to someone because we think we might be taking their time. So now we've added an option where you can book a time and you can pay for a session with us where you can get help on anything to do with digital marketing. Yeah, I think this is really interesting, a good insight of yours, because you've actually had more people pay to have a call with you than actually a free call. So I think there is a mindset piece. I think that's really important. And it's good to remember when it comes to marketing as well, because I have that approach. I kind of think, oh, I don't want to take up someone's time with my little thing. But when I can pay to get their time, I'm much more much happier to do that. So maybe that's the case with the listeners. Well, it is. We've we've experienced that. So yeah, if you want to book in a paid session, you've got the link there. And you niftily have that all implemented via HubSpot products and payments yes. with a Stripe integration and then the meetings requests. So a nice solution all around. Excellent. On to our quick shots of the week, Craig. And here is a couple that might interest our listeners. First one being the ability to clone workflow actions. Oh, this is so good. Um, we've got a little link where you can see this coming into. They, they just—it's the little things, isn't it? Ian, they just add these stuff. So yeah, just uh, as well as cloning, you can move a workflow action as well easily. Say on a branch, you want to move it along. That's right. And the next one is the dashboard activity log, and this is great to show a historical log of edits made to the dashboards. And we find this really interesting as teams grow, sales teams become bigger, and sometimes people accidentally shift things around. It's a really good way to understand who has moved something and get it back to its original state. Or totally change the permissions and not let them edit at all. And finally, Craig? Well, Hubcast team are back. So I haven't actually listened to this episode, but they've got their inbound 2020 Hot Takes episode. I've got that queued up. Looking forward to listening to that this week. Good to hear Karina and um, Marcus again. All right, listeners, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is something that uh, Craig and myself both love. And there are lots of smarts in HubSpot, especially if you're using professional enterprise. And we want to talk about smart CTAs and switching the CTA based on the country that people are visiting from. So in the example that we have given is we have a different pricing button based on the country that you land on, and it'll show the appropriate pricing button. And behind that is the appropriate link to pay in that currency. 
Yeah, good little example. You showed me this and I thought, yeah, easily. Let's share it with the listeners. And another one we want to talk about, Craig, is the HubSpot recurring or looping workflows. You know how much we love workflows, right? I've just popped this in there because this actually harks back to episode 153, well, two years ago, I think. Looping workflows, this is where you have a parent workflow that calls a child, which then calls the parent. So it can be in just a continuous loop. It came up separate from in a separate discussion, and I just thought I'd pop this as a topic. Listeners, if you're interested in that, because it's a really cool technique, I use it uh, in our agency for sending out um, emails just in a recurring manner. If you're interested, let us know and we'll flesh this out again in the show. I, I was almost going to do it as a big kind of piece in this episode, but I thought, oh, look, I'll just check if anyone's interested first. And listeners, it is a great implementation that Craig has done for one of his sites. So let us know by just shooting us a message on LinkedIn or on Instagram, and we would love to flesh this out in one of the future shows. Now, Craig, the HubSpot sales feature of the week. This is a cracker. Tell me about this. You've been playing with a new keyboard. That's right. From the day I saw this, and listeners, this is the ability to, you've got a keyboard on your mobile device, and you've probably, over the time, you've realized there are different kinds of keyboards for different scenarios. Lots of people are using emojis, and they're using different ways to communicate. And this is the HubSpot keyboard. And what it enables you to do is utilize all the functions that are available in HubSpot to put things like use your snippets, use meeting links, put links to documents, quotes, which is fantastic, right? And I thought to myself, wow, this is really interesting. So I started trying it on a few. So Craig, I've got a screenshot of me sending a meeting link to Craig to book some time with me. And it just works so well. And feedback from sales teams that we've been working with is that they love it because you can use it in messages, you can use it in WhatsApp. We tried using it on Facebook just now, LinkedIn, Slack. So it's just got such a good use case. And I think I hats off to the HubSpot development team. They've actually done a really good job of this. And I would just encourage people, get it, enable it. There's a bit of a process to enable it on your phone because you've got to give it permission, especially with heightened permissions on mobile devices these days. But just being able to access that from within your HubSpot CRM is gold. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot listener question of the week. And this is to do with updating renewal dates each year for contacts. Yeah, I think so. So this is the reason we're discussing this. This has come around. We've kind of had some various questions and we're almost going to put in an email that we're chatting with a listener about, but I thought we'd make it a bit more general. This does crop up and you've had it with clients as well, where they're like, well, we've got these clients and maybe they're they're renewing a contract or an agreement in a franchise agreement or insurance policy or something like that. And we want the sales team to be flagged about the renewal so that they can reach out, make contact, make sure that their customer is informed and they don't miss out. And so how do you do it? And so there's a couple of ways of doing it. And we'll just highlight, you can do it at the contact level where it's a you make custom dates, uh, properties on the contact level, Correct. or you can do it at the deal level. Now, on the contact level, it's pretty easy. You can just use workflows to trigger those and just update the the field. But deals, you've implemented this um, well with a particular client that you were showing me yeah, before. Yeah, for a franchise so do customer. Wanna, yeah, do you want to chat through how you do that? So I've had both these scenarios, and we've worked with people that have moved from contacts to then working with deals. And one of the big drivers to do that, especially when you're thinking about when you're tracking deals to do with a sale, 
that's been a really key thing. So moving it to a deal, understanding where they are in the process, understanding what the pipeline is like and understanding what the forecast is like was the real key to having the deal. So what we've done in the franchise uh, example, we've had an initial pipeline that is when someone's signing up to the franchise. So they go through a process and then the closed one is essentially they've become a franchise. So we call that the franchise. That's where it kind of ends. Now upon renewal, which they start discussions with, I think nine months or six months ahead of time, what happens is we have a workflow that runs and puts a, creates a new deal into a resign pipeline. So this is a whole different pipeline, right? Basically copies all the data into the resign pipeline. You know that it's come from the original franchise pipeline. And then it starts this different resign process. Now, why do we do this? Because we want to understand against that customer, that contact and company, what is the lifetime value of that, that franchisee to the business, right? So that's why we create another deal and run it through this process. And then what happens is because they can only sign up, I think twice after the initial period, we then have another workflow when they get to the end of this resign pipeline. Again, they become uh, like a resign franchisee. And then we have another one that runs and we copy a new deal into this resign stage again at a particular time frame. And we rename it with a slightly different title. We put something, we prepend something so we know it's the second time around. So it's very clear to the franchise manager how many times they've been through and where they're at. And it works really well. Yeah, I think this is really neat. And it might be hard to understand that by kind of listening to the description. So we'll probably, well, we try and put a maybe a screenshot from the deal where you see that. And here's the key, listeners, If in case you didn't realize. So from a deal workflow, you can create another deal. So you can trigger a deal from a deal a deal workflow from a deal and then create another deal which inherits that original deal's exactly. details such as contacts, companies it's associated Correct. with. And now you can associate the last so many days worth of uh, yes. correspondence which is fantastic. Yeah, so I think that's the, the key unlock here. People might realize, might not have realized that you can have a deal for a client, create another deal for a client. It's very easy. HubSpot enables that and makes it really easy. All right, Craig, onto our app of the week. And this is one you introduced me to, I think, a little while ago. But I love it. Rain Parrot. And what I love about it, it says, amazing hyper-local weather predictions. And they've developed what they call PolyCloud, which is their weather engine that uses advanced computing modeling to give a highly specific alerts of incoming rain on a minute-by-minute basis, even while you travel. Now, it is a paid app, listeners. But it's so at the payment. Ian, why are we even talking about a weather app in the show notes? Because, Craig, you know what? There are all of these little things that make your life better, right? And I thought to myself, what are the apps that I look at regularly that makes a difference in my life? And this is one of them. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why, because I'm back in the office this week. Did I mention that at the start of the show? And it's <laughs> raining here, and I've got to walk home after we finish recording this episode. I'm going to be checking rain parrot to see whether I've got an umbrella or not. Oh, there we go. So, listeners, again, if you have got apps that you use that you love and you would be happy to share it with us, we'd be happy to feature it on the show because I love learning new things. You know, one thing I always ask our favorite people at HubSpot, I say, what are the new apps or new uh, tools you're using? Because you just never know 
what is out there. There's constantly things being developed. And I'm one of those people, I love trying new stuff. And so here you go again. If you've got anything, please send it to us. All right, Craig, our marketing tip of the week. All right, Google search engine, Google search console index coverage issues. If you fell asleep, listeners, well, I mentioned that because you're thinking, what the hell is that techie nerdy thing? Yeah, exactly. Index coverage issues. We have this often because we, we check Google Search Console for our clients and look at their errors and try and fix them. Index coverage issues is one of these confusing areas where you're like, well, what does it mean? Is it really a problem? Well, thankfully, uh, Content King have got a, a thorough overview to guide us through. And it highlights a bunch of the different areas and in particular ones that you might want to pay attention to. So I'll give you one, crawled, currently not indexed URLs. So that's in their coverage. They've And just to step, take a step back, when you think about getting your site in Google, there's kind of three main things that have to happen. One, your site or the URLs need to be discovered. Then they need to be crawled. And then they need to be indexed for them to appear in Google search results. So there's three steps. So quite often we get good at getting it discovered. Sure, we, you know, submit our sitemap or, you know, create a Google Search Console account. It might get crawled or it might not. Often there's errors with getting and not getting crawled. If you've got it blocked from Google, for example, it won't get crawled. But say it does get crawled, you're almost there. But then if it doesn't get indexed, you've gone to all this effort. And if it doesn't get indexed, well, there's an opportunity for you. So there's one of the actionable errors to look in your your index coverage reports crawled but currently not indexed because you've done all the work why isn't it being indexed maybe you just need to fix it up fix up the um, content on the page maybe um, give it a bit more love with internal linking that kind of thing also put a link to a good post on Moz where they talk about that specific error and how you can use it to your advantage. So there are going to be some nerdy people listening to this show. They go, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm going to get straight into it. And then the rest of the people are going, oh, no, it sounds too hard. But that's okay. We cater to you all. We love you all, listeners. And Craig, you know, it's such a good reminder. I think I saw one of these on our client sites and it was actually to do with a redirect that was going nowhere. And so just seeing that report made it really quick to alert the team to, hey, we need to fix this or find out what caused it and then fix the issue. So don't ignore it. If you don't know what to do, ask somebody and help make it better. All right, Craig, this is a listener question we had. I think this is quite a common question that we get from lots of different people that we talk to. And so we thought, let's talk about this on the show. And really the crux of it is, should we create location-specific pages on our website? And so one of our customers said they were looking for a remove list, right, to do a job. And they looked in their particular area and then they realized they had all these very location-specific pages. So they talked about local local areas within the Sydney region, right? So kind of got him thinking and he then said, well, this made made them stand out in the crowd because they seemed to know because they were so lo- localized. They, he kind of had this feeling like, wow, these guys really know my area. So then he thought about, the business that we partner with and service. And he said, oh, would this work for us? And I was like, now I had this question a few times and I thought, okay, well, let's think about it. And I spoke about it with you and here is our response. Yeah. And look, I think I'll just just, uh, back up a step because people might not know what location specific pages are. They're like, what's that? 
this is when you have a specific page devoted to a suburb or a zip code or a location that you're in. Let me use a really good one that I would like, yeah. Craig. Let's say someone wants to buy Mercedes-Benz in Sydney versus Mercedes-Benz in Melbourne, right? Right. Very location-specific. Yeah, and that's because a lot of the searches that people do, especially on mobile now, they do have a location uh, component to them. But it's great for some businesses, not all, but many businesses, like trades are a good example. If you're searching for a plumber, you're probably searching for a plumber in your area. The removalist company example that you had is a good one. Others, medical, you're probably looking for a doctor or a dentist in your area, that kind of thing. Automotive, installers, specialist consultants. So, for example, one of the things that I do on our agency site is I've really targeted the term HubSpot Consultant Sydney. That's where we want to rank for. But look, there's other businesses where it wouldn't make sense. You know, creating location-specific pages for Hubshots. No one's searching for Hubshots Sydney or Hubshots, you know, in a suburb. Location-specific wouldn't be appropriate there. And then the other reason, of course, is if you have multiple offices, you know, you've got a consulting company in Sydney or one in Melbourne or in other locations, so you'd have pages there. But the question comes back to, is it worth having it? Because if you haven't got one of those clear-cut cases that we went through, you might be like, well, I'm not sure about my business. What should we do? It's very easy. So the first step is you just test it with Google Ads. So you run ads on very specific keywords that have a location qualifier. So whatever your business is, car washing, put that in as a term in Google Ads to bid on it, car washing your suburb or car washing Sydney, and just see how many people are actually searching for that term. If there's sufficient searches, then yeah, you probably should be considering adding a location page. And also the other advantage of doing that is in Google Ads that you can actually order by the number of impressions. You can find out the ones that are most popular, start there. And then, of course, the final thing is if you do have multiple offices, what should you be creating, Ian? Create a contact page specific to that office, firstly, and then create a Google My Business listing for that. Is that still free, Ian? I can't believe it. Is, it. <laughs> it is while we're talking about this, Craig, but it who knows, it might be shot. costing soon. <laughs> We've discussed this before. Get your Google My Business listings in there. Well, actually, like we do not have a Google My Business listing page for Hubshots. That's probably a good example where you wouldn't have one. But for every other business, I don't know, maybe we should. Should we have a Hubshots Google we My Business? We should, Craig. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Extra exposure. Let's do it. That's right. Now, listeners... I'll tell you one thing, and I did this recently for one of our customers, is make sure you create the page first. So when you create the Google My Business listing and you link it to that, it's really easy for Google to verify your address, right? So this is one of the key things. Make things easy to verify. If you can do that, it just makes life a lot easier because I went through the process and I thought to myself, when I do this, I'm going to have to get somebody up the google might post a card to me but i was surprised and i got a verification like oh we'll call the number and give you the code straight away and i was really surprised because this never happens i generally have to get a postcard posted out to us for for a particular location Mm. so the better the information is around the web about your location the better is for google craig the resource of the week the end of the american internet all right so ben evans who we've uh, chatted about before He's a thought leader. Did you know that, Ian? He doesn't yes. claim to be, but he really is. He's the original 
he is actually a thought leader, but look, he analyzes stuff. And in his latest essay, he's looked at, and he's writing mainly for an American audience, of course, but I think this is valuable for everyone because the outcome that he's talking about is that we're now very global. And you might think, yeah, of course we're global, but to many, and especially if you look at venture capital, even over the last decade, it's been very concentrated in Silicon Valley around technology companies, but that's all changed now. It's almost half-half now, half rest of the world. Uh, but even further, if you just look at internet users, at least 80% of internet users are now outside the USA. So this idea that the US is the center of internet tools and products and solutions is rapidly changing. This is important for well, for a number of reasons, but you can no longer assume that the important companies and products are American. And where this you know, crops up is regulation and servicing other markets and buying from other markets and other regions. So the action item, be aware of the global marketplace you play in. It's not just filtered down to the US uh, as it was maybe five or 10 years ago. And also be mindful of regulation Important for marketing managers, especially because we're using tools built in other countries and other other demographics, other geographies rather, and mm. then using them to talk and market to people in yet other geographies. So important that we understand the regulation and the tools that we're using. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. Oh, this is a beauty from Derek Sivers, who we love, friend of the we show. Do. His quote was, it takes many hours to make what you want to make. The hours don't suddenly appear. You have to steal them from comfort. What did you think of that? I loved it. I even put a big emoji after that, Craig. I know. I saw that emoji. That's so great. Hey, by the way, this week's show notes with added emojis. Thanks, Ian. That's great. You're welcome, Craig. Now, we've got some bonus links in the show notes, listeners. Yeah, probably don't have time to go through these, but a bunch on um, logical fallacies, also Cloudflare uh, launching an analytics tool and a few others related to SEO and Google behaviors. Check them out in the show notes. If you haven't signed up, you can do that on hubshots.com. And if you love the show notes, please reply to us and let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. And listeners, before we go, please connect with us on LinkedIn and please send us a message to say you listen to the show. We'd love to hear from you. And we are on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. You can join our Facebook group as well. And Instagram, we're a great place to connect with us. Thank you to Chris Mottram from Podcastly for producing this episode of the podcast. Well, listeners, until next time, catch you later, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.